hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Joy of Social Work Podcast. I am Joy. If this is your first time listening, welcome. If this is not your first time listening, welcome back. Um, I feel an intense amount of anxiety about said episode because it is featuring one of my friends, and he has already called me and asked me about soundbite clips, and I'm like, does he really not know that I just learned, not just, but, you know, relatively just learned how to upload the podcast, let alone make clips. Ah, uh, the stress tray. But I will try to produce him with what he is asking for. Because <laughs> he also was like, I have six more episodes for you. So this is one of six featuring my good friend Trey that you will get to learn about and hear from in a few minutes. So yeah, that's kind of what's been going on. I feel like... After my birthday is always like, all right, well, now it's back to school. But now I don't work at a school anymore. So it's just like this weird period of like, it's going to be September. <laughs> so like, I don't know what that means, if anything. But in September, I will be speaking on a panel in person, which I haven't done in forever. I guess since 2019. Is that the, I guess that would be the last time I was on per, in person in a panel. But anyway, on Saturday, September 18th at the Edison Exposition Center, I will be speaking um, at an event called Curls and Kicking It. The link is in my bio on Instagram. It is put on by my friend Melissa, whose Instagram is Curls and Kicks. And it will be hosted by, ooh, that's just Flash. So, random. Flash Came to, I used to work at a high school, and Flash had come and done a workshop with me and a co-worker, Marlene, um, about curly hair. We worked in the Dominican neighborhood, and a lot of the girls had really, they were really uncomfortable about their hair because of comments that family would make about it being ugly or bad hair and stuff like that. So we did this whole presentation. So I was like, I wonder if she remembers me from that. That was like 2016, maybe, so... We'll see. So that is Saturday, June, September 18th. So check me out there if you are available. And then that evening, my other good friend, Sassy, who was on two episodes ago, is going to be opening her event space. And she's going to be having a, oh, I don't know if that's a public event. Maybe I should ask her before I talk about it on the podcast. But I think that it might be. I don't know yet. Never mind. Just erase that from your memory. Um, and when she talks about it, then be like, I'm surprised. I didn't know about it. And I didn't tell you. Oops. I don't. But she is. Her event space is in Franklin Square, New York, which is Long Island. And she is going to be um, taking <laughs> visitors. What am I trying to say? See? Trey got me fucked up. She is going to be hosting tours. Uh, starting Tuesday, August 31st from 6 to 8. If you are interested in an event space, it's beautiful. It's called Floor Events. I'll put their Instagram also in the bio or the, in, the information for this episode. So you can uh, look it at, check it out. And if you are interested in planning an event, you can book one. So there are a lot of things that I want to do coming up. But I feel like I just need a day, which might be today or tomorrow, to sit, which or yesterday and today from when you are listening to this, or when this is going to be aired, to just kind of sit and plan out what the fuck is happening with joy in life 
moving forward because I am trying to really get on this three-day work week type shit because I am not trying to work more than Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. That's it. That's all I want to work. So I need to figure out how I can do that and still eat and pay rent while um, not stressing if, like, a client cancels or reschedules or, like, everybody's on vacation and I'm like, oh, God, I only have such and such clients. Now how am I going to do that? So trying to figure that out. I also would really like to to host a supervision group, but I keep hearing so clinical supervision group, but I keep hearing so many different things about, like, you can't charge or uh, people can't get hours that way. So I also just need to sit and... In, in, research that because the things that I'm finding and the the paperwork that I've signed off on before makes it seem like I can do supervision so I'm not really sure what other people are talking about but that is a way for me to make a bag and for people to get their clinical hours so that's something that might be coming up in the the near future um Trey told me I can't end my podcast so that might be a switch in <laughs> what is happening in the world. Uh, but I would still like to celebrate, God willing, COVID is not COVIDing in January. And I would like to celebrate year four. So hopefully that can happen in January. Uh, and I got an opportunity sound it's it's like big like if it goes through it's a big deal like i'm gonna be like i'm a big deal Mm, you gonna have to make an appointment to like have my phone number type thing so if you if you are a praying person and you got good praying energy not like if you like a little demon don't do that don't pray for me if you're a little demon or if you a hater but if you like got good praying energy please send a prayer for me that i get this thing because that would be so fucking dope and I'm, I would really like it to come through. So that's kind of what's happening. Just trying to figure out this life as a social worker um, and all of the things. It's interesting because kind of what Trey and I were going to talk about, and I think we, we touched on it, but we didn't really go into it, and which will probably be a part two. of like talking about like what social work looks like and is. And I feel like he and I are similar. And there's a, a, other ones who like curse a lot <laughs> we might have a drink on the weekend or on a tuesday i don't know like we just are a little bit more like we're not like textbook in school don't disclose like he's like well this is what my life was like before and i'm like mm, this is what my life is like now you know it's just kind of like a little bit more open and a little bit more my definition of authentic and real and honest like if a client is talking about Something and I feel like self disclosure is helpful in this session. That doesn't make the session about me, but it's like, hey, this experience happened to me that kind of sounds like that experience. This is not telling you what to do, but like, this is kind of the lesson I learned from that, or this is what I did, or like, this is what I wish I would have done, kind of thing. So just kind of get people to thinking about stuff. But I don't care, like, not that I don't care because I do care, that's a lie, but um, it's just. I don't know. I just feel like it's different. Like, even when it comes to, like, social media. And now y'all know social media got me in trouble before. But um, even when it comes to, like, social media, like, I have a... When before my... Before I changed my Instagram to the Joy of Social Work, it was Lioness Goes Roar. Because that was, like, my Twitter name and all this other stuff. 
And so I do have a line that goes roar page that could be like my ratchet turn up page. But I'm not trying to manage all of these Instagrams. I just I just don't have it in me. So like if you're like, ooh, Joy's Instagram is like her maybe going, I don't go nowhere. No, I don't feel I feel like I go to dinner. Like I don't go out. I don't want to be in a club. But like Joy's Instagram is her cursing and like maybe having a drink with her friends or like talking about whatever or posting like a ratchet meme. Is she less of a social worker? I don't think so. I mean, even like this podcast, even this podcast, even in content on social media, I sometimes get very caught up on like, is it social worky enough? But I'm like, it's me. Like, and I feel like people gravitate towards me or are interested in, like, if you, like, if you're like a client who has my access to my social media or my podcast, like you like me from that, not from my degree or like <laughs> what trainings I have or what, you know, whatever I'm trying to say. Um, but also that being said, that's not for everybody. And I'm not for everybody. I'm sure there are people who are like, she is far too ghetto to be my therapist ever. And then there's folks that are like, oh no, I like her just that amount of hood ratness. She's a bird. I'm here for it. So like, you know, I was talking to my therapist about this on Tuesday. Like, sometimes when people refer people, I get, like, weird because just because you and I have a good rapport doesn't mean I'm going to have that with your sister or your cousin or your nephew or whatever. And so it gets kind of weird because that that just might not work for them. And and I think people just automatically assume, like, oh, I like my therapist, you'll like them too. And I'm like, mm, mm. You might not, though. It just might not work. So just kind of some thoughts that I've been having. Uh, But we are going to get into this episode so that I can then send Trey boy stuff and he can, like, not beat me up because he asked for it on Friday night and it's now Saturday morning and I'm just waiting for my phone to ring. Like, uh, didn't I ask you for something? So... Without further ado, (laughs) welcome to the episode, and thank you again for listening, and we will talk in two weeks. All right, so I am excited to have my next guest. I've been trying to get him to be a guest on the podcast for some months now, and I just had to run down on him with my computer and my microphone (laughs) to make it happen. So thank you for being here. Thank you for being available today. Thank you for having me. So who are you? Tell the people who you are. My name is Marcel Trey Crooks. Speak a little louder. Louder. (laughs) I am a um, licensed social worker, um, founder of Represent the Alternative. Um, I'm from South Jamaica, Queens. I recently um, migrated to Long Island. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm a pretty cool, cool person. You are a pretty cool person. (laughs) (laughs) So... um, how did you get into social work? Because I feel like in my social work program, there wasn't a lot of men at all. And then there were like maybe two black men. Okay. So it's always interesting to me when I meet like a black male social worker. I get like really excited like, who that's? Hey, welcome. Um, and it's very white women dominated field. Yes, it is. Like uh, even at my job, um, most of the social workers and like licensed health counselors are predominantly white mm-hmm. um, women at that. Um... How did I get into social work? 
it's twofold. Okay. A lot of it has to do with maybe my past. Okay. Um, and then it had the least amount of math classes mm-hmm. and science classes. So people mm-hmm. laugh when I mm-hmm. say that, but I'm like so terrible at math. So unless it comes to count money, I took out the major book and I went through everything and I highlighted all the majors that required one to no math classes. Got it. Right? So then that side. And then on the personal side, um, my mother's a active drug abuser. Mm-hmm. Um, I lost my father when I was eight. Uh, he was murdered in um, north side of Queens, mm-hmm. in Hollis. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was in kinship forced to care for a little while. Okay. Um, what else? And then I was a victim of gun violence. Okay. So, like, all, all of that, like, multiplied into who I am today Mm -hmm. and um, at some point I decided that I wanted to be what I felt I needed Mm. and then so um, I don't think at the time when I was going to school I knew it was social work but I knew that at the time I had a case management position position, and I was helping people who either had similar problems to my mother or some similar problems with somebody in my family mm-hmm. and I was like okay what am I what am I doing so at the time I felt like a social worker just without the degree right you know so um after figuring out like when I'm speaking when you speak to a social worker and you're a case manager it, there's like a lack of respect there yes. but then when you get the degree and now you're speaking to psychiatrists there's like a lack of respect there uh-huh, uh-huh. so it's like this hierarchy and it's right. like we're all kind of doing the, the same, same thing, thing you we know? just have different the education right. and letters behind our name right so um, when I when I figured out that's what it was, I was like, all right, cool. You know what? I, this is what I'm going to do. I think this is for me. This is what I'm going to get my master's. And plus, I was promised a, a pay increase if I got a master's. So <laughs> got to do it for the money sometimes. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and um, I think um, I hear a lot of times, oh, um, social workers don't get paid. And then I got to look around and be like, I could curse, right? Yeah, you could oh, curse. Okay, okay. I love when people ask that. I'm like, have, you, have we not <laughs> been talking? You know no, that I, mean, I curse. I curse a lot. <laughs> I curse you a know, lot, and, too. You know, so the other day, um, you know, so I'm doing the, the kickball um, join on Saturday, and I, uh-huh. I did a post, and um, I cursed, and he, he DM'd me, and he was like, you're not supposed to curse. And I was like, well, why the fuck not? And he was like, he was like, you're cursing again. I was like, all right, you know what? Fine. He was like, well, I curse too a lot. I said, I curse a lot. He said, I curse a lot too, just behind the scenes. And I was like, you do know them doctors, lawyers, and all the people we go to see, uh-huh. they curse. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know? Um, pastors too. Right. And I was like, I, I love that pastor from that award show. Oh, yes, 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 yes. So I was telling him, I was just like, yo, me cursing doesn't change what I do or how I affect people. Right. You know what I'm saying? But it just... I'm I'm a firm believer in just being unapologetically myself, mm-hmm. right? So if I if something's bothering me and it means I want to say the word fuck and I have to say freak because a kid is there, that's different. But if I got to say freak because you're there and you don't like cursing, it's not the same. It doesn't hit me the same. I agree. It doesn't resonate the same. So, yeah. I agree. That's one of the things. Thank you for sharing your story. <laughs> that's one of the things I like about you is like I'm like I feel like you're relatable and I not that other folks aren't but like I know that when you're in a session or when you're like talking to somebody it's not like all of this fluff and all of these like flowery DSM words and it's like real and like to the point and it's like they know what you're talking about they can say fuck if they need to say fuck and like you create that space for them and a big part of that is because like and then I had to learn that because 
coming into the I mean, field, social work you, school doesn't teach you that. Right. You 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 think you have to use DSM. Mm-hmm. And then one day I think I, I said I said a fucking word and the client I knew the client didn't know what the fuck it meant mm-hmm. because he looked at me like like like, like you know when you say something to a dog and the dog like this uh-huh. and he turn your head. Um he kinda like was like, you know what the fuck you mean? Uh-huh. Like and I was like, Oh yeah. So I took that moment to go to my therapist and tell him what happened. Mm-hmm. And he was like, Yo, you know you don't really have to do that. Like save that for your notes. Right. Like when you're talking about what took place in the session or whatever. So I was like, all right, cool. But then my problem with that was I was working under two people at the time. One of them understood that, mm-hmm. but the other one felt like, no, it shouldn't be like that. Like, that's not professional. Da, da, da. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, as a client, if I was a client and I wasn't able to say, yo, this is what the fuck happened at my job today, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Like, or like, this makes me feel like shit. Right. Yeah. You know, am I really being open and honest right. and getting out what I have to feel or if I come in and I have to say home I'm here with my therapist today and I can't really say my day the way I feel I have to say it the way I think it's appropriate mm-hmm. so okay let me say about this okay my boss really grinded my gears today <laughs> right right and, you know and opposed to saying yo this fucking bitch did some dumb shit mm-hmm. and let me tell you why and da, da, da. Mm-hmm. like you know what I mean the, there's the passion there but then it's like the expression allows me to continue and I'm not paused on thinking about what took place or because I want to say politically correct mm-hmm. and me not always being politically correct I feel doesn't take away from the profession or who I am or how effective I am as a you know therapist I agree um, yeah it's um it's interesting it is a lot of people folks I think it's very interesting it is again like I said because especially in social work school they teach you like you have to talk a certain way. You need to look a certain way. Right, I mean, a lot of that way. is based on like why right. white supremacy, but like it's just yeah, you got to dress a certain way. Like then it's like, well, I'm a black woman with tattoos. That means I have to then cover them up, and I have to wear a blouse and a skirt and a dress. And I'm like, what if I want to wear sweatpants one day? Because that's just like that's how I'm feeling. Or I want to have big braids. Or I want to wear hoop earrings and this, and I want to say fuck and shit and like this bitch. And because that's right. just kind of like the mood. Like, is that wrong? And does that make me less of a professional? And I'm like, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. But other social workers might disagree with us. I think it's the. Um the generation. So, like, yeah. there's times where I'm at work and I have to deal with um, social workers that are, like, been in the field for maybe 20, 30 years. They're probably burnt out. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but they're not leaving their job until they retire. Right. And they still operate today as if it was, like, their first or first to fifth year in the field. Mm-hmm. And so much has changed, you know. So, so um, when I interact with them... And I'm like, well, I'm a social worker, too. And a lot of times, I don't really like to put that in. But if I send an email, you see my credentials at the end, and mm-hmm. I see yours. Because I always look at that when mm-hmm. I send the email. So it's like, all right, we know we can relate. And especially if we have a mutual client. Mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I just try to get it to a point, like, it doesn't matter you know, what generation we're from. The, the common ground is the client. Yeah. You know, let's you know, do what's best for the client. And a lot of times, they don't adapt to just these new, uh, what do you call these things? Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, not remedies, but um, mm. ways of doing things yeah. these days. So, like, let's say if you, if I decide if a, if a person's going through trauma from like maybe losing a loved one, maybe not talking to them in a a, a, a transitional, I mean, a, a regular setting where we're in an office and I'm on some one side of the desk, you're on one side of the desk, and I'm like, oh, well, tell me how you feel today. Mm-hmm. But maybe we go to a garden and um, mm-hmm. we start 
plant flowers and you and unconsciously the person starts to unravel and mm-hmm. starts telling how they feel or kiss me but they don't know at the end of the day I'm still going to write it up as a clinical note exactly. but it's different and the outcome is different and you get more from the person right right because you give the person a different kind of space to be able right. to express themselves right and feel safe in expressing themselves right yeah, because even like when you said like, can I curse on here? If I said no, this is a non-cursing podcast. This might have been a very different conversation because you would have been very aware of the things that you yeah, are I, saying because you're like, well, I can't like, curse. All right, cool. And you know what it is? So I curse so much sometimes I really don't even notice my I curse. <laughs> and the, the 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 bad part about that is um, my friend Daniel, he hates that curse in front of his mother. Right? Uh-huh. His mother don't allow him or her other sons to curse in front of her. Uh huh. Growing up, she never stopped me from cursing in front of her. Uh-huh. So he was always be like, why do you let Trey curse in front of you? And she'd be like, that's just how he is, blah, blah, blah. And he'd be like, what? And he, and he doesn't understand. But I, I love her for that. Miss Michelle, I love, her. I love her so much for that. Uh-huh. You know, to this day, like, even like, now I'm conscious of it. And I'd be like, All right, I'm a little older now. I know she never liked it. Let me try to work on it. Uh-huh. Yeah, I tried it with kids. Yeah. Like when my friend's kids are around, I'm like, I'm not going to curse. And then sometimes I'm like, and that bitch. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. And they're like, it's okay. I'm like, you probably curse too. Right. Ironically, I think I do really well around kids because my God kids, like, like he's, Daniel's not having me curse around his children. Okay. Right. So I'm, I do really well around kids. And because I'm so conscious of that, it'd be like when I do get around other kids, it'd be like, all right, I'm not going to curse. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or if it do come out, it's like the kid ran in in the midst of me telling the story. Yeah. And I just blurted it out. And, you know, that's different though. Yeah. I was really good at not cursing at work, but like a, in front of kids. One time I did, though. One time that I remember. I said, damn. We were, we were playing a game, and I said, damn. Because I, like, messed up. I think we were playing, like, Connect Four, and I, like, saw that I had mm-hmm. a thing, and I missed it. And I was like, damn. And the kid was like, oh, Miss Joy, you cursed. <laughs> and I was like, I'm so sorry. And he was like, it's okay. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I, I, even then, like I said, I, I really only struggle with kids, and um, and when people do something really, when people do really, really stupid shit, yeah, right. So we all know everybody doesn't have common sense, right? But there are some things that I just struggle with, and I just be like, how could you do something this fucking stupid? You know, and and, and and if I'm at work, I really have to process it. And I really, I, mean, I might go sit down at my desk. Yeah. I might even go take a walk. I'll probably walk to the corner store, get me a bagel or something, uh-huh. and come back just just to process it. So I won't say. Yo, you so fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. but you know, those, those like, are things you know I'm aware of. So I'm working on it. So you have t- you said that earlier. You said that you wanted or decided to be like what you needed as a kid. So how does that show up in the work that you do? Um, I'm dependable, um, resilient. Um, even when I'm frustrated with my supervisor at times and I want to mm-hmm. go home, I may not. Especially if there's something that I can do that I know I can do based upon my connection. So let's mm-hmm. say, um, like, I have a client right now who maybe doesn't have food stamps at the moment. Um, <clears throat> I have resources where he'll be able to get food, mm-hmm. you know, and that has nothing to do with my job. That just has something to do with the resources outside of my job. And those resources help me in any aspect Got and it. things like that. Being so connected to being other Being connected things. to other things, right. So um, I would say when I was coming up, I was going through some stuff and I wanted somebody to do that for me. Mm-hmm. Right? Did you ever ask that. anybody? Or did you feel like there was no did one there to ask. do it? I did ask one person. Uh-huh. Um, I asked my aunt. And like I told my aunt what was going on with my mom's and like she didn't believe me. Mm-hmm. Is it her so, sister? Nah, this is my father's sister. Okay. So, but my aunt was, you know, she was away at school. She was getting her bachelor's at Howard mm-hmm. at the time. Um, 
you know, and, and looking back at it now, it's like, I, re- I understand what she was doing because I did it to my sister, mm. right? So when I was going to school to get my bachelor's, I kind of like isolated from everybody, everything. So when my sister got to a certain age, she's calling me. She's like, hey, what's going on? Yeah, I still live in the borough. You yeah. know, like my aunt lived in, in um, D.C. I still lived in the borough, but I was more focused on the goal I was trying to attain at the time. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't there for my sister the way I sh- wanted to be, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So then when I got of age, and I'm like, well, I was always of age. But when I got older, and I'm like, oh, shit, I got my bachelor's now. Um, my sister's going to do something similar. Let me step in. Now I'm playing, you know, my sister's parent in, mm-hmm. in, a, in, a, in a way where I'm going to her high school every day, making sure she's not being truant in school and things yeah. like that. And um, I used to go up there every day. So now you became that for her. Right. Uh-huh. You know, um, so, and, you know, my aunt, we spoke about it as I got older. And she, she, she what it was, it was, she said she, one, she did admit that she didn't believe it, but she didn't think it was as bad as I made it out to be. Got it. Okay. Whatever. When then when she found that it was worse, actually worse than what I made it out to be, mm-hmm. you know. So um, she's expressed, you know, recently that um she apologized for that. She actually feel bad. She said more of it to um Sam than me, but mm-hmm. you know um I understand. So I don't really I don't hold that against her. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Did you like need that apology? Um, she's a Sagittarius, so it was like it wasn't like it was <laughs> like yo I, I am, oh. but it wasn't like I'm 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 a apologize. It wasn't like hey you know. I'm Got like, it. So I'm sorry, blah blah blah. It was just more so like like the apology went to Sam and it kind of like trickled down to me. Got it. You it was like saying? an acknowledgement, of- right? And you know, and then she acknowledged me in some ways too, but it was just more so like, um, I didn't. I don't think I was looking for the apology anymore because mm-hmm. I understood at some point. Like, all right, what you were doing, you were trying to attain your bachelor's, you were trying to establish your life. Got it. And I think she was still grieving from losing my father. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So. I think that had a role to play in it too. And then I look from what she always tells me, I look exactly like my father. Yeah. So it's like either she was still grieving, which she was, but then again, I look so much like him, it's like it's hard to be around me. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So I got that from Because it's a constant a reminder. Right. It's a constant, constant reminder. Even to this day, like my mom's, when I, when I do see my mother, it's always, you look so much like your father. I really get tired of hearing that shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And my mom's, my, my aunt knows that. So my aunt tries not to say that to me. Mm-hmm. But then when my, I don't see my father's side of the family like that. So when my father's side of the family see me, whether it's their cousins or uh, uncle or um, one of my grandmother's siblings, the first thing out their mouth is, you look so much like Martin, which is my father. Okay. And I just be like, motherfucker. <laughs> Like that's all I can say because it's like, all right, what am I supposed to say to this? Yeah. Am I agree? Like, you right? Know what I'm saying? All I, I is it like thank you? Like it's it's weird. Yeah, yeah. you know, because it's not at this point, it's not a fucking compliment, right? You know, what I'm saying like, right. and um, I kind of closed that chapter of my life with my father because, um, not closed. Well, yeah, closed. I say closed because I promised myself after the last time I went there, I wasn't going back to the mm. cemetery. Okay, and not because I don't want to, but because it's like a a wound that I'm just never closing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, every time I go back, it's like, all right, it might've been stitched up. And then I go back and like, all right, cool. Real. You know what I'm saying? And then the, the first time I, I said, all right, this is the last time my brother came home from jail. I had to take him. Mm. My mother finally got the courage. The first time she wanted to go, I had to take her. So you know you're taking, so, you're, you're like, I'm, I'm good. And now you're taking all these other yeah. people for their first time, which right. is a first time is different from a fifth time at right. a cemetery. Right. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and and it's it's very peaceful. It's out in um, Corwin, Long Island. So I used to go out there just to think. Like if I had a bad day, mm-hmm. I go, I take a beach chair and everything, and I'll just sit there. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I might fall asleep in the chair, whatever it's be, but I get some thinking done, and I leave there with a clearer mind. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, but that drive was like an hour and a half. <laughs> Forget about it. <laughs> they don't put them in convenient places for people. Yeah, okay. not at all. 
Um, but you also do mentoring work too, right? Yeah. So what's that like? How did you get into that? Or is it kind of um I got into that um through a guy uh from my neighborhood. His name is Sean Chandler. <clears throat> he started something when I was a kid called what was it called back then? Um Frat Boys. That's what it was called. Mm. It was called Frat Boys. So I think his he was trying to like go off of something in in the sense of mimicking like a fraternity. Got it. Just with, you know, boys of the community. So it was me and my and my right hand man, David. We used to go and, you know, hang out with him and things like that. And then David went to school for school counseling. I ended up with a social work degree. And then he recruited us to give back to the community that way. Okay. So then that name ended up changing to um, Mentee 5E. Okay. So Mentee 5E came about. And he was like, yo, you could do this, you know, too, and everything like that. But I had already was on the represent the alternative route. So I kind of just added it to it. Got it. Or whatever. Okay. So it was like, all right, cool. And then the parents of the community seeing what I was doing. It was like, oh, you know, he changed his life. He's doing something positive. Whatever. And um, just seeing, I guess, the positive things I was doing with myself. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of parents clinged. It was like, oh, yeah, I remember you. You know, things like that. And then when the kids will come back home, like, oh, yeah, I found with Mr. Marcel today or Mr. Trey, Mr. David and everything. We, mm-hmm. Mr. Chandler. So it just became continuous. And then, and then it, it, you know, seeing the kids enjoy doing different activities that I either wanted to do as a kid mm-hmm. or my mom's, um, like after my pops died, my mom's wasn't really uh, that, we were, we ain't going nowhere after that. Okay. Like my pops, my pops died in October of 96. We went to Dorney Park and Six Flags within that summer. And, um, he had just came home from jail, I want to say, maybe a few months prior to that. Mm-hmm. And that was it, like, after that. The next time I went to Six Flags, I was an adult. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I was eight when my father passed. Got it. So so there was just things that just right. didn't happen anymore. Right. You know what I mean? And um, my mom was just... She 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 used to always tell me... <laughs> and I laughed at this shit because I, um, I didn't understand it. Until I fell in love for the first time. Mm. She used to always be like, your father loves me more than he loves y'all. Talking about me and my brother. Me and my brother got the same mother and father. Okay. Even though I got two sisters. Okay. So, she used to say that shit to me. I was like, that don't make no sense. Y'all made us. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> right. What? what you mean? But then when you get older and then you 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 you, you start, you love somebody and um, you, you love the kids too. Like, well, I don't have no kids. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't imagine loving my kids more than the person who helped me make those kids Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying Um, yeah I don't think and I don't have kids either but I don't think I always understood that because my friends who a lot of my most of my friends have kids and they're like you have to put your partner before or your spouse or whatever before your kids and I was like but they're kids and they're like but if we're not good then the kids are not good right you know I I always viewed it as like I just feel like if you and your partner have like a Effective communication and mm-hmm. compromising and things like that. It's, does really worry really come before the other? Like, mm-hmm. like I always see that meme. It'd be like, um, do you feed the kids first or your husband first? And for me, I feel like that's really like up to the relationship. But technically, I think if the man of the house will get it. But I'm one of the people like, I don't really care. Like, I want you to eat first and the kids to eat first. As long as I get some food, you know right. what I'm saying? Whatever. But there are some men out there like, nah, I eat for the kids. You know what I'm saying? Which I don't really agree with. But... Weird. Okay. Yeah. Do you feel like finding? I'm gonna have this conversation with some some lady social workers. Do you feel like finding love as a social worker is hard? 
think, or is it just hard because it's just hard? It's, it's, hard, I, it's hard within itself because it's just hard, especially with the generation we in now. Like the generation we in now, it's not really about love. It's about what you can do for mm-hmm. the next. Like, like you got niggas out here looking for housing. You got women out here looking for shopping sexuals, right? Yeah, <laughs> and, you, and, and you got women out here looking for shopping sprees. Right. So it's like, are you talking to this person because you're into them, you love them, they're right. good, they hold good conversation, you know, they're um, everything that you think I guess a man should be, mm-hmm. or they get into it right now and that's it, right? You know what I'm saying? So, uh, as a social worker, you know, most women be like you tell if a man tells a woman he's a social worker, and he's the first thing to go through her mind is he ain't got no money. Really? You know yes. Is that what it is? I, you know, yes. So I, I feel like. Still, you think? It depends, because I feel like with me, I feel like it doesn't really apply to me because mm-hmm. I feel like I always fell into a a, a, a a mold where people always feel like I have money no matter what. Right. right? There's been times where I ain't had no money. You know what I'm saying? Like, I felt flat on my face. But don't know, nobody know that. People don't know that. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Unless I tell it. But I'm not ashamed. I'll tell somebody, yo, I ain't got no fucking money. A nigga will not believe me. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I get it. Because, like, one thing, as bad as my mom was with her drugs, she was also, like, good in certain things where it was, like, she taught me how to clean a bathroom in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Like, when you come to my house, I got, I got OCD like a motherfucker. You come to my house, my Your house is... Always. I mean, this is my second time here, but it's clean, always yes. clean. And it's not like, you know, people be like, sorry, my house is dirty and you're like, ain't dirty. Yeah. Like, your shit is like very organized. You ain't never gonna come to my house and it's gonna be right. like that. Your remotes yeah. are perfectly lined up. Yeah, that's Sam. <laughs> Sam do that shit. <laughs> so it, it, it's things like that. And then it's like, there's no gender roles. It's not, oh, Sam's supposed to clean. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's, I don't like this shit being like, so I don't care if it's me or her, but we got that in common. Yeah, yeah. Right? So um, my mom was really good with that. And she was really good with, um, like, there's a word for it. I can't think of it. But, like, definitive shit. Mm. So my mom was always like, yo, you could be fucked up, but you don't let nobody in the world know you fucked up. And that don't mean, like, money-wise. That Mm -hmm. means, like, if you're having a hard day or something like that, you don't wear your emotions on your sleeve. Got it. You know what I'm saying? So um, if something happened at home, you're not going to the school and you're telling people what's going on. You go in there, you fix your collar, you fix this. And she might have just slapped me because maybe I might have said something slick. Mm-hmm. But I got to go to school and I got to fix my face and I can't have no tears or be pouting coming out of my eye and mm-hmm. like, yeah, fucking G. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and, and handle it or whatever the case may be. So, Do you feel like you still do that? Like, will people know what you're going through if you don't tell them? It depends on how close you are to me. Got it. So di- different people get their different versions of me. Course. Right, and I say that whereas in there are people who I might not know from back in the day that might have just found out I was selling drugs and now I don't do it no more. Mm-hmm. Right, then you might have people who was there with me every day but then don't know how intelligent I am. Mm-hmm. All right, so they might all, all he cared about was getting money, you know what I mean? And then you got people who knew I was going to school but never knew my grades, mm. right? So it's like that. So then if you get to meet me and I'll introduce you and I allow you to see all facets of me, mm-hmm. or whatever the case may be. You then be like, oh wow, like you know what I mean, like in in the the first woman I've ever found in love with, she always said to me, one of my downfalls in life is that I'm never gonna allow somebody to get to know me again the way I allow her to get to know me. Mm. Is or that whatever. true? Um, I Let's wouldn't not say get you so. In trouble on this. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm like, maybe I shouldn't no, no, no. ask that. Um, no, I wouldn't say that because like. I feel one. I'm a forever learner. Like I feel like yeah. I'm learning shit about people all the time of that I knew. You know what I mean? Um, I've allowed Sam in, you know, the same way. Mm-hmm. 
fiance. Sam, for people who don't know, is your fiance. Correct. Um, <laughs> Good. Yeah, who the hell is Sam? <laughs> you know, yeah, I've, I've allowed Sam in, you know, um, and when I sit down and I think about, you know, things that, you know, the first girl I was with said, I'd be like, is she? Is it true? And mm-hmm. then I know with some of my male friends that it's true. Mm-hmm. There's some of my male friends that I keep at arm's length because I have a bad attitude. Mm-hmm. So, like, let's say you you do something to me, right? And you don't know how I'm going to react. And then I react, but now you're like, yo, it wasn't that serious. Mm-hmm. But you don't know the values and the principles that I hold dear to my heart. So now you think I'm ODing on you. Got it. Or whatever. And it don't really be that. It really just mostly be a lot of things. If I ever blow up on somebody and it's like public knowledge, mm-hmm. they violated two to three principles in that one incident. Okay. Right? So okay. if it's one principle, it's like, all right, I'll take this on the chin. If it's two, depending on what it is and how bad it is, I might say something. But if it's like something that people know about, because like I don't really like, like if I blow up my friend, if I yell at a friend, I'm not yelling at you in front of the situation that's wrong. We're going to go get in the car. We're going to go about our business. We're mm-hmm. going to talk about it later. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I might yell at you then. Mm-hmm. But it's been a few times where I probably blew up. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, right. You know what I'm saying? But it comes from a place of love, but people won't understand that. You know what I mean? Because people get naturally defensive when you flip on them or you curse at them. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, but, like, some of my friends don't know not to pay me no mind. Like, I got, like, three friends off the rip. Like, Daniel, Knowledge, and Mel. I flip on them. It don't matter what it's about. It's like, you don't pay them no mind. You know what I'm saying? And But because they've been dealing with it so long, yeah. they know when to pay me attention and when yeah. not to. Or whatever. And then I got some friends that if I do it, they be like, what, nigga? You shut up. Now, right, now we got to fight. You know what I <laughs> like, mean? That's not what I was trying to do. That's right. You, you know what I mean? Just, just want to talk. You yeah. know what I'm saying? But, you know what I mean? But I, be, I do believe in, though, sometimes you might have to have a healthy fight with your friends. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I was going to ask that. Like, do you feel like... Because I feel like we're all getting older. We're like doing this inner work. We're in therapy. We're like, right. we're like therapists in therapy. And we're like, just trying to like build things that we might not have had growing up. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that I find is like having those conversations with your friends of like, you're fucking up or like, I need you to do better or like whatever. Just kind of just being able to be like honest with your friends versus like, Oh, we having fun. I'm not going to tell you that the shit you're doing is not making any sense. I'm just going to continue to have fun. Right. Like, do you feel like you're in a space with your friends that you can do that? Majority or they can do it with you? They they definitely do it with me. You know, um, I don't I don't take a lot of shit personal. Yeah. So, like, people people tell me things all the time about myself that some shit be new. I be like, word, I did that? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then if it's some, like, new off-the-wall shit, I probably won't pay no mind. Okay. Depending on who it's coming from. But um, I would say, like, 98% of my friends I could do that with. And the 2% that I can't, um, I probably start withdrawing from them. And then they'll call, like, yo, what's See, going on? I you know what I mean? Things like that. And then what happens is, because I know I can't tell them why I'm pulling away from them, mm-hmm. because they're going to get defensive and be like, oh, that's not the case, it's not the case, mm-hmm. um, that distance starts, to, that gap starts to get larger. Yeah. Or whatever the case may be. And then if it's somebody that I really don't want the gap to go through, it comes, I think I start thinking about, I think that was it, uh, was it Meek? One of them rappers was like, everybody can't go. Yes. You know, so um, I, I think about that, and then I start thinking about where I'm going and what I'm doing, and what what's aligning with the things that I'm trying to do, mm-hmm. right? So if you're not aligning aligning with the things I'm trying to do, I really pull back even more. So yeah. perfect example, I got friends I can go to the club with. We will buy bottles. Mm-hmm. We will spend thousands of dollars in these clubs, mm-hmm. but then when it comes down to me doing something positive for the community. Like your back to school drive that you're going to tell us about in a little bit. (laughs) Right. Something like that. Um, They, either they don't donate 
Mm. Or they say they're going to do it and then they don't. Mm-hmm. Right? And then I'm the type of person, I don't count favors with my friends, right? Like, I got I got two friends. One in particular, my man Mel. Um, he's usually always with me everywhere I go. Mm-hmm. Right? We don't count favors. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I give him some money, I might not remember how much it was. He might give me some money. He might not ask for it back. But that's just the relationship we have. Mm-hmm. Like but if it's a substantial amount of money. Because it's like a mutual give and take. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, I got you this week, whatever, whatever. Right. You know what I'm saying? Um, he he don't miss a beat. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? If I say, yo, I'm going to the moon, that nigga say, how we getting there? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? For real. You know. Um, and you need that. Right. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then especially like with things, because there's times where I get discouraged too. Yeah. Right? So You're a human. Right. And, and you know, I may not tell him, but mm-hmm. he might, he, he could just pick up on it. Like, yeah. yo, how you feeling today? I'd be like, yo, I'm straight. Nah, son, you lying. But I, right, you want to tell me the truth? I, right, but just know I'm here for you. Got it. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Something like that. And then something as small as that would be like, all right, this is a battery, but I need it on my back to keep going. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Something like that. Because sometimes you don't, I don't know if it's like the roles. I don't know if it's being black. I don't know what the hell it is. But sometimes it's like you you don't always want to feel like you're being a burden or you're like putting something on somebody that you're like, I'm still trying to figure out and process it myself. But it's nice to know that somebody is like, well, I'm there for you. Like, Yeah, I, and I mean, with even with Mel... I um, I try to not put so much on him because there was a point in time where I put everything on him. Mm-hmm. I had a bad day, yo, Mel. This is what the fuck is going on. Uh-huh. When I found out, you know, I went through what I went through with um, I don't really like referring to her as my ex. Um, so what do I I, I, I say? Your uh, previous relationship. Yeah, because she 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 was a friend first. Okay. Right. So. She she and she's still my friend. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. we um she gives me advice time to time here and there. Um and but she she's one of the people who she could just hear my voice and she'll know like, yo, this is what's going on. But Mel is like that too. Mm-hmm. But because Mel has been through everything, I try not to put so much on him. Like if I'm going through a bad day, my like, Mel might be the last nigga I call. Maybe he's having a bad day. Got it. You know okay. what I'm saying? Something like that or whatever. Like, and I check in with him, like, yo, how you doing and things like that. But um he's like he, he don't talk much. So it's like one of them things, it's like, I got to pull it out of him. Mm. And I'd be like, yo, I'm not trying to, because my friend's favorite line, don't social work me. And oh, I'd be God. like, yo, boy, I'm not trying to social work. Don't associate what I went to school for right. the fact that I'm just genuinely checking on Right, right. I'm you know just asking saying? you a lot of questions because I want to know yeah. the root of what's going on. Right. I'm not trying to be yourself. I don't want to be the same way you try to solve my problems, mm-hmm. I'm trying to solve yours. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? At the end of the day. You know what I'm saying? Or let you know, like, Kind of how you said your friend is just let you know like if and when you are to he- want to talk, I'm here. Right, right. That really be it. I don't know. Life is a friendly way of playing out. It does. It does. So what's what's next for you? What is what is next in the alignment? Um, what do you do? Well, you have a back to school. Yeah, so I have the back to school drive um, supply forward that I do every year. Um, that is going to be this Saturday and Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, any book bags I have um, left over from those two events will be then f- going to the Real Skills Family Day on mm-hmm. um, September 5th. But I'll be out of town for that this year because that's okay. normally where I do it at. Okay. Um, there or the family day for um, Real Skills. Um, <clears throat> what's next for me? Um, I want to start working with other people. Okay. I want to start, like, Sassy has some things she's done that I'm interested in. Right. Oh, um, also, congratulations on your Hustle Award that you just received. Oh, yes. Thank you. Thank you. I, I think that was that was a pretty dope thing. I, I still don't know how she nominated me or who, how I got nominated, but um, I think that um, 
what she's doing is very um dope mm-hmm. and um especially in Osmond. And what you're doing is very dope too. Yeah, I mean, well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, people tell me that, but you know, like even when I got the award, like I don't really, I don't do it for the awards. I don't do it for the recognition. So a lot of people don't really know about me. Yeah, like that. Um, you know, what I mean, so like when Adrienne Adams came and you know she spoke about the other two people yeah. from my neighborhood, it was unique because those two people I met there. You know, I didn't know about, I knew about 100 suits, but I didn't know a face, couldn't put a face to the name. Mm-hmm. And then the other dude I always seen from promoting suits, but I didn't know, um, for creating suits, but I didn't know exactly um, what he does. Okay. You know, there's like someone she spoke about, them. I was like, oh, okay, cool, you know. But, you know, pol- pol- politicians, you know, they come and go. Like, mm-hmm. she's, she's, came, she, Adrian Adams was actually at the first supply for it in Rochester. Oh, okay, okay. She came, you know, she, she took a picture with me and my former partner and everything like that. Um so it's pretty dope. But today she um actually posted um the event that I'm giving out the book bags out on Saturday. Nice. On Facebook. So I thought that was pretty dope. Uh-huh. And everything. Head it to the top. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> One day at a time. One day at a time. One day at a time. No. But other than that, um just yeah, just trying to partner up with more people and do different things and bring more awareness to the communities, especially where I come from. Because a lot of the things I do, I do cater to South Jamaica because that's where I come from. Mm-hmm. Um and it has nothing to do with, you know, not you know, messing with any other neighborhoods and things like that, but that's your home. You know, that's yeah, that's my home, and um, you know, a, a lot of the the um poverty and and crime comes from lack of resources. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's, uh, in, mo- in most neighborhoods, but especially South Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So you kind of want to see that look different. Yeah. If 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 I have a goal, and I was asked this in an interview one day, they was like, "What's your five year goal?" Like. Um, and they said, don't say nothing generic. And I was just like, like um, I want to be. <laughs> and I was just like, yo, you know, if I could um, bridge the gap, you know, between that and mm-hmm. provide more resources than that, I know for a fact crime would go down because kids wouldn't be so bored. A lot of people doing the crimes these days are yeah. like, anywhere from 12 to 19. Yeah, they ain't got nothing else to do. Yeah, nothing else to do, yeah. Those basketball programs used to be around or and around, so yeah. you got to appreciate, you know, the ones that are still around and, you know, trying to, you know, be there for the kids and stuff. Yeah. You know, I know for a fact, especially, like, in Rochdale, when I was growing up, we had basketball tournaments in every circle, baseball, you know, little league, the football things, things like that. All of that stuff is gone. I think the only program I know about that still exists is a dance program. Mm. Yeah. And if you're not into dance, then there's nothing for right, you. Right, right. That right. sucks. It's hard because, like, even like some after school programs you got to pay for. And if, like, your parent isn't going to pay for or don't doesn't have the funds to do mm-hmm. it, then you just go home. Exactly. Yeah. At 240. Even even the library. The library used to have, yeah. like, you know, programs and things like that. I don't hear about none of that stuff no more. But yeah. also COVID. So. Well, yeah, but before COVID. But before COVID, you're right. right. You're right. It's before not. COVID, it wasn't like that. There used to be a line outside of the library to go in there to just use the computer yeah you know, and things like that so none of that stuff is like it's like that no more yeah that's rough what so two two part question what would like 16 year old Trey say to you now and what would you say back to him 16 year old Trey would say to me now I'm proud of you. Mm-hmm. Um, where where are you? Where were you? Um, mm. For him. For him. Okay. You know, um, but definitely, I'm I'm proud of you. Mm-hmm. Um, what I would say to myself at 16, 
I was very impulsive mm-hmm. back then. Um, mostly because I was operating from a place of survival. Right. So right. a lot of my decisions came from, all right, I got to keep a roof over my head. I'm 16. I got shot when I was, when I just turned seven. No, yeah. I had just turned 17 and I got shot. Mm-hmm. So um, I had lost that apartment I had as a 16-year-old. And then you were living by yourself. Yeah, I had a basement apartment. Wow, right. Yeah. Um, which is like a whole another story, te- right? Yeah. It's like <laughs> even like that's not a thing most sixteen year olds should have to do on their own, right? You know, because my mom's my mom's is funny. It it, it came about because she was she was really like she was like a walking contradiction. Mm-hmm. She was like, all right, this is how you get money. This is cocaine this is weed this is crack this is this is what what is it? she told me what each monetary value was uh-huh. right and then um at the same token it was well don't bring that shit in my house mm, so it's right? like well how am i gonna make the money that you're teaching me right. how to make but i can't do it here so what happened was um this is this had to be a few months maybe a year before i got shot i got my first gun from my man dizzy mm-hmm. um, god bless the dead he died a couple years ago um he gave me a gun mm-hmm. it would have kissed me my mom's exact words was, don't bring a gun in my house. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I put the gun at David's house. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The bullets was in my North Face jacket. Back then, you know, we had the North Face yes. in high school. So I had the pockets up here on the right, was in the right pocket, to the wall in the back of the closet. Uh-huh. So she probably saved my life this day. I come home one day, I'm looking for the bullets. Going through it, whatever case me looking for it. I tore the closet up, knowing that they weren't there because they weren't where I put them. Mm-hmm. She just watched me. She didn't say nothing. Mm-hmm. Me. So I leave back out wherever the case may be. Now, mind you, I'm going to sell the gun that I bought wherever the case may be. Mm-hmm. So um, she never says anything. I get shot April 8, 2006. Mm. I'm in the hospital. I'm in Mary Immaculate Hospital, which no longer exists, until May of 2007. You were in the hospital that long? Yeah, I was in ICU for that long. Yeah. Oh, wow. Because the bullet severed um, my motor nerve. They wanted to amputate my leg. So oh, I had shit. to get like second, third opinions. Oh and wow! Shit like that I know any of this. Right. So I ended up getting a um, a nerve surgery mm-hmm. where they took a sensory nerve, mm-hmm. something like that. How they explained it to me, on my foot and like put it in the place of the motor nerve. Okay. Right. Like rewired it. Right. It. Some shit like that. Okay. So now in this day, if you step on my left foot, I probably won't feel it. Okay. Like, you know, I mean, depending on what I feel, I, I could feel like the, the back part of my foot, not the front where my toes are. Okay. But my toes now, instead of not moving, now they go up in unison, though. Okay. So I can't spread them like this. Got it, got right? it. Um, my mom came to see me that, that one time when I was in the emergency room, and she, her, her exact words was, that's the day where your father died on. I'm not coming back here. And I always knew you was going to get shot. You're just like your father. The day you got shot was the day your dad died? No. Um, oh. Actually... Um, my dad died October. Oh, you said October. You just in October. I think October fifth of ninety six. Okay. But he went to Mary Mackey Hospital. Oh. She saw him on that table that they were operating on me on. Got it. She had like this whole fit. Right. And then PTSD. Right. Yeah. And then she said a few things. Like she blurted out, um, "And you always, gonna, I knew you was always gonna get shot because you're just like your father." Mm. And what she meant by that is, I always carried a gun. Always carried a gun because I was I was in the guns, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying. But mm-hmm. th- that's just what it was. Um, but that's what she failed to realize is that's partially her fault too. Like you introduced me to some of this shit, right? You know what I'm saying. And then um, when you come outside as a as a as a teen, as a boy, whatever the case may be, I started going outside by myself when I was like 12, I mean, probably younger than that. But from what I remember, it was like 12. 
you have easy access to guns and drugs. Mm-hmm. Like it's almost like handed to you. Like yo, here, go mm-hmm. get money. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and if you know the right people, like it becomes even easier. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, um, no matter what, my my father's from Northside Hollis. So, no matter what side I went to, like I knew people. Right. Or whatever. So, um, she she said that, and then she said, um, and I found them bullets in your your jacket, and I like I'm. I'm under the um, oxygen tank, and I, I look, and I was like, the fuck? You mean, because now I'm like, I was looking for them shits for some years now. Yeah. You know, so I was like, tight, but in the same token, I can't get up. You right, know what, I mean? what you going to so do? So the bullet fractured my femur bone as well. So when I woke up, I had a cast from my waist mm-hmm. to the tip of my toes. Okay. Right, and my leg was in a sling, and I couldn't do nothing. So they let me out to go to my high school graduation but I graduated early I got my diploma in January before I got shot okay I got shot in April because I had nothing to do every day so I was uh, running the streets back every to, day right right back right. to like between January and April to... I was running, running out, the streets every out day out here um, I was I had just got fired from Key Food I got hired at McDonald's and I got accepted to the Marine Corps mm. so all this was going on so things were lining up and right. going in the okay so the next day the day I got shot April 8th April 9th no April 7th, I went to a party. I got shot the morning of April 8th. That, whatever that day was, Friday or Saturday, I was supposed to go to the um, Marine Corps office and turn myself in to be shipped off because I didn't want to work for McDonald's or whatever. So because I got shot, I couldn't do that Mm -hmm. or whatever. Then, all the colleges I got accepted to, I got accepted to Morgan State, Howard, Lincoln, Cheney, Shaw, all those, you know, scholarships and things like that all went out the window Mm. or whatever. Because you um, couldn't go or because they found out you got shot? Because I couldn't go anymore okay. or whatever. Couldn't run either. I ran track in high school. Okay. Um, <clears throat> that, then I go, they let me out to go to my high school graduation. Mel's family takes me to the graduation. Nobody from my family comes. Mm. Whatever the case may be. Were so. you disappointed? I was. I, I, I thought if anybody would have been there, my grandmother would have been there. Mm-hmm. Or whatever. That was the first time my grandmother actually let me. No, that was the second time my grandmother actually disappointed me. Mm-hmm. Or whatever. And um, my young sister was too young. She probably would have been there. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was disappointed. But so after that, Mel's family took me to, we went to a buffet to eat. Or whatever, you know. And um, Mel had to explain to his mom, like, yo, you know, not all my friends are saints. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because she was like, at this point, she's like, I don't want you hanging out with him. I don't know what he's into. Yeah, she should. Okay. You know, that's her son. She was nervous. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. Um, she you know, just knew you got shot. Like, what right. does that mean? Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? So, but Mel, he, he despite his mother's concerns, he never, like, left my side. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, as um, he went away to college eventually, so did David Chris. So, for the most part, I want to say, from 2007 2009, I was like really by myself because mm-hmm. all my friends was like away. Got it. Or whatever. Daniel was um, older, hanging out with his um, friends and shit like that. And all my friends are actually older than me too. Mm. So um, it became um, it became like a lonely place. Yeah. For a while, so I want to say it started to sh- seek into depression. Um, my grandmother tried to get me into therapy, but I really wasn't having that. Mm-hmm. Like I felt like I could handle this, you know, whatever. But I was really angry. Yeah. For like a long time, I was. I mean, you had a lot to be angry for. Yeah. Honestly. And I think the getting shot was one part of it, mm-hmm. but the aftermath was another part. Mm. So uh, the nerve damage, which I still have today, was worse back then. Like I want to say, the first four years after getting shot, I couldn't touch anything without having gloves. Oh, okay. So I would walk around with um, 
winter gloves on my hands in the summertime. Oh. Picking up like anything that during heat, like I, the remote, my phone, I couldn't dap anybody. Yeah. Like it really hurt, mm-hmm. you know. So when you when I tried to explain it to people, they'd be like, "What? Like they, it don't make sense." It. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, "Nah, this shit hurts." Mm-hmm. And they're like, "What does it hurt?" I'm like, "The bottom of my foot." So when I get out the shower these days, like even to this day, I still wear one sock on this foot mm-hmm. when I get out when I walk around the house. If I this foot might barefoot. And um, I used to walk around with a wet rag just to be able to bear with the pain. Mm. So in the wintertime, like, people like, yo, so I had a bottle of water in my right pocket, the wet rag in this hand, and I'll be on the bus stop or he's going to college, and I'll pour the water in here just to, to, to the pain to subside. Mm-hmm. But the only time I'm not in pain is when I'm in the shower. Got it. So I'm in the shower, a pool, things like that, and ironically, like, I'm scared of water. Like, I can't swim. Really? Yeah, I can't swim. Okay. So I, you know, I go in water, but I go in a safe part of water. Okay, you know right. You're not like, but those yeah. are, like, my... Like uh, most peaceful times. Nice. You know. Okay. Yeah. What What else do you do for self care? Oh, uh, my self care list could be long. I I get haircuts biweekly, um, manicures, pedicures. I get full body massages. You know, pretty often. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm into the full body massage thing. Um, what else? Traveling. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's really you big travel for me. a lot. Yeah, that's that's really big for me. Like I um because I you know what it is I feel like um traveling and it makes you like well versed. Yeah, you learn a lot, especially about different cultures and different foods and things like that. And I like that. I love food. I love you know learning. Even if I don't understand the language, like I'm like, well, this person's dialect or accent is like pretty cute. You know, mm-hmm. it's gonna be, you know, um, different things like that. Um, and then when you travel. And you come back to places like South Jamaica, you'd be like, damn, like, I'm happy I did. There's mm-hmm. more to it than this. Like, the first time I went away, I, was, I went to St. Martin. I think I was 22. Mm-hmm. I got a high off that shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And before that, I was just going to Miami. Yeah. Vegas, Leaving the like country that. is different. You know, um, I got such a high off that shit. And I stayed at the Sinesta Hotel with an airplane. So I see pictures now where people go and they're taking pictures of the airplane flying above them. Uh-huh. Like, I did that shit like 12 years ago. That shit was lit. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And so I got, I got a high from that. And I was just like, all right, well, the drug dealers I know aren't traveling. Mm. They're staying right. in the community. They're staying in the community, yeah. right? You know what I mean? And then the drug dealers, the people that sold drugs with my father, they was doing like black parties shit like that. The drug dealers these days, they don't want to do nothing positive yeah. for community or whatever. I was like, this this can't be life. Like, you know what I'm saying? So then, I think after I went to St. Martin, I went to um, Venezuela or some shit like that. Uh-huh. One of the Spanish countries. I think it was that or Honduras. And um, I had a ball there. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I could get used to this shit. So from then on, I'm coming back. I'm telling my friends, like, yo, this is what we got to do. Because when I was going away, I was going away with a female. Okay. So I'm telling my friends, I'm like, yo, nah, this shit would be lit. If we go, you know what I'm saying? Like that, uh, it was it's like, a different kind of yeah, event. Yeah, I'm like, nah. It's gonna be different from Miami. It's gonna be different from Vegas. Like mm-hmm. we gonna we gonna have fun, whatever. So I think the first trip niggas did was Cancun or whatever. We mm-hmm. we went to Cancun. It was like seven of us or whatever. Went out there. Well, that I got even more of a high, and I was like, all right, cool. Now at the time, the first time I went to Cancun, I think I was working at Sears uh-huh. or whatever. So now my job, I got my job at Sears a year after I got out the hospital. So I got the hospital in two thousand seven. In September, I started working in November. Oh. So I could barely still walk. Yeah. I was still learning how to walk. But um, my my mom's told my grandmother I couldn't stay with her. My grandmother listened to her. So that was the first disappointment where the kids got be, uh, whatever. So I was just like, oh, shit. I'm like, wow. Like, all right. So I get the job as is. 
doctor some documents like in another apartment mm-hmm. or whatever um and now mind you i'm living my first my second apartment was off of um farmers and dentistry right there by the neo fried you speak in queens oh yeah you're from the Bronx. <laughs> <laughs> my bad my bad i'm so, like i don't know so, now yeah. i gotta go find it i'm gonna go look for it <laughs> x-ray by neo fried is, <laughs> is the best chicken spot in queens you okay. get a wing special from there and a breast okay and you lit so um and they hot sauce used to be banging back then so I'm living right there, but it's a church right there from that street. So I'm living there for a while or whatever. And um, the lady starts paying her mortgage. Mm-hmm. Now, this is this is where life starts kicking in because nobody's teaching you this shit. Nobody's teaching me about credit. Right. Nobody's teaching me about bank accounts. Nobody's teaching me nothing. The girl that I'm with at the time is telling me everything mm-hmm. that I should do. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I'm dating you, but why the fuck should I listen to you? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm just dating you. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So I'm still figuring this out because before her, I used to just like, just get around. Yeah. Right? So it was like, all right, cool. And then when I fell for her, it was like, nah, I fell for her because she, she's really fucking smart. Mm-hmm. So now she's teaching me certain things. She's telling me certain things. I'm like, all right, cool. She's like, take that cash and go to the bank account. So I get my first bank account. I think I get it at Bank of America mm-hmm. or whatever the case may be. But I have no patience back then. So that's another thing I would tell my older self to my younger self. Have patience, young man. Life is life is going to come at you fast. Yeah. Like, have patience. Um, and, um, I ended up, so I get the Bank of America account, the lady, the notice, the people coming to the door, like, yo, we coming to, da, 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 you gotta move, or whatever, so I'm calling the lady, the lights go out, mm-hmm. or whatever, so I'm like, calling her, she answers, she's like, oh, I'm out of town, they can't put you out, don't worry, send me the rent, blah, 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 so, the girl I'm dating at the time, she's like, don't send her no money, um, she gotta cut these lights on, and you gotta get out of here, yeah. you know what I'm saying, you know what time it is. I'm like, all right, cool. Then, as nervous as I am, I got nowhere to go. So now, I think I reached out to Daniel. Because Daniel plugged me with one of his friends. And I ended up being roommates with him for like two or three years. Okay. Or whatever. So, and this is when I realized I was like, roommates ain't for me. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, that's my man to this day. I'm still uh-huh. cool with son. Or whatever. But. You need your own. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. just things that I value. Like, the bathroom in the kitchen. I'm that shit that drive you crazy. Right. Like you don't wash the dishes and then come behind you a toss a plate. And I just my, I now understand my grandkids like the kitchen is closed, get out of my kitchen. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I'm like, I got a it's roommate, clean. like I can't tell this thing to get yeah, the fuck out of the kitchen. It's like, it's Especially you're not gonna right. clean it, right? Right, right, right. So that was like a learning lesson for me. And I ended up getting another apartment on um the other side of farmers going towards the conduit mm-hmm. or whatever. Same thing happened there, or whatever case may be. So I was like, all right, I need to get into a building. Mm-hmm. You know, um, how, how can You're I like, do I need that? stability. Right. You know what I mean? So I meet a girl in women's psychology class, and um, she teaches me about credit. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, hi. So now I'm in New York. So I want to say, I'm like, I gave that speech in New York. I had to be 19. So maybe, maybe I'm like 21, 22 now. Mm-hmm. She's like, yo, apply for this credit card, apply credit card, da, da, da. Pay your phone bill and for your books and everything with this credit card, but pay it off and just use it whatever you go out you got to eat whatever it can be is going to generate your points use it so I'm like alright cool them points start turning into flights mm-hmm. so I'm like oh shit I'm out of here Yeah. so now I'm going to Puerto Rico I'm going to fucking um, back to DR we love DR Cancun Cancun was every morning weekend and DR was like every nigga trip <laughs> right so we're doing that then I'm, I went to Thailand I went to Italy I went mm-hmm. to um Europe. I, I went so many places to a point where it was like, I right, I'm elevating. This is this is what I like for myself. So now most of my friends they call me Bougie Trey, uh-huh. right? So Bougie Trey comes from, I'm not 
standing on the corner no more or outside. I'm not doing those things. Like, I'm, I'm still doing it, but, like, it's not noticeable anymore. Mm-hmm. So now if you're looking for me, you don't know where I'm at because I'm not going to be there. Yeah. Right? So that comes into high cool. Now I got to take this money. I got to do something with it. So that same young lady was like, yo, invest in something. Do mm-hmm. something with it. Like, what are you going to do with it? So she taught me about... um like some of the things people doing now, like day trading, I got into that like like at an early age. Mm-hmm. Then she started telling me about other ways I could like flip my money. Like, well, people want to do this or that on with their business. Give them the cash, put on the um the interest on it. What mm-hmm. me? So I'm learning shit about that, and I'm like, alright, cool. And then I'm also learning about interest rates. Got it. the case may be. So like all of this shit is coming at me fast. So I'm like, alright, cool. I gotta figure this out. I get my first car. Get my first car, or the case may be, I pay for that car flat out cash. I was excited to get that car, so it really wasn't a car I wanted. Okay. I meet him. I meet this mechanic dude. He buys that car from me and gives me this Maxima, ninety-seven Maxima. I loved it. It was white, pearl white. I hooked that shit up. I took all my money, most of my money, put it into that Maxima. <clears throat> that Maxima gets stolen, and now I gotta go get a car because now I can't never. I'm traumatized now from the car getting stolen. Mm-hmm. So now my textbooks is in it, my drugs was in it, my money was in it. Like I, cause I went. To watch the game at this lounge in Hollis. Mm-hmm. When I came back outside, my car was gone. Do you think people knew that it was your car? I, I, I it was very souped up, like the rims and like yeah, you couldn't, you could tell. Got it. Right. Um, never saw it again. Whoever took that car stripped that shit down. Police never found it. Wow. Um, that traumatized me to then to this day. I will not buy a used car. I have to be the first driver of every car that you see me drive. And Here for it. Right, so you know, <laughs> so like, but that's something that I can admit. You know, the trauma. That's, yeah. I'm still traumatized behind that. So like, people be like, "Yo, why don't you get a pre-owned?" Nigga, no, it's gonna get stolen. That's my that's my memo. Got it. I don't care if it's pre-owned certified. I have to be the first. You have driver. to be the first person. Right. So okay, so to pause a second, somebody just called because they want to say something to you. Oh really? So I'm gonna put them on speakerphone. Oh. Hello. Yo, <laughs> yo, Dre, what's good? You know, I just had to call in. You know, I couldn't be there, but I wanted to make sure definitely that the listeners are really listening to what you're saying. My man Marcellus is the truth. He's had a journey. He's now starting to really expand on that journey and what that was, and that's going to be for the betterment of our community. So I definitely wanted to just chime in. Don't want to take over your interview, bro. Love is always love. Yeah, Doing your thing and speak. You understand? Yeah, yeah. A lot of times you... You, you fumble because you be trying to stop yourself. Let it out. Yeah, people you, need to hear it. You, you understand? Yeah, you're right, man. You're right. I'm, I'm trying, man. I'm, I'm definitely trying. You're doing. You ain't trying. Trying was before we even knew there was change possible. <laughs> That's you're a doing bad. it now. You understand? Yeah. So listen, do your thing. I'm going right back to what I'm working on. Love is love. Enjoy Social Work Podcast. Always my favorite. Oh, <laughs> thank I'm you. I'm out of here. See y'all later. All right. <laughs> Oh shit! <laughs> oh shit! I didn't expect that. <laughs> He's like, I'm, I want to say something. Call me, and then I was like, I can't call you and do this. Like, call me. Yeah, Dre's. He's a, he's a good dude, man. Yeah. He 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 he's definitely like, mo- he he he's a motivator. He is a motivator. Like, it's crazy how much of a motivator he is because. Like he he, I watched like several of his interviews and he just speaks so well. Like he's so mm-hmm. comfortable. It's just like, yeah, it just comes and I just yeah. feel like it just flows. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, one day I'm gonna be like that. Yeah, nigga, no. Yeah, why? <laughs> um, 
one, I'm, I don't like, I don't, you know what it is? I really don't, I really, I don't like talking because I feel like I spent so many of my years talking and nobody was listening. We have been talking for 56 minutes. Does uh, it feel like that? If <laughs> you don't, it might be. 56? No. But you've been like talking. Um, it's when you're not in your head. Then it flows. Hmm. Um, I aspire to be like him in that aspect because he got to a point where, like, even though I don't care what nobody thinks mm-hmm. or whatever the case may be, I feel like I have to remind myself that not everybody has heard my story, right? Mm-hmm. But every time that I say it, it sounds repetitive to me, so I get mm-hmm. tired of saying it. Got it. Right? That so that's that's one part of it. And then also is I spent a, a part of my life telling my story or telling people, like, yo, this is what's going on. Like, you know what I'm saying? And... Um, nobody was listening or nobody mm-hmm. assisted to fix it. Mm-hmm. So I adapted a, a, a personality where nobody cares, mm. right? And that mind frame got me through so much shit in life, mm-hmm. right? So it'd be like um, when people say, yo, nobody cares about your story until you become successful, mm-hmm. right? Sadly enough, that shit is true. But sometimes I feel like people don't know, people who don't know your story, like your story can make you successful. Right. Now, with that being said, so it's like, all right, cool, but now you got to figure it out. You got to put it into a gimmick. So either you got to do a book, a movie, something like that. A podcast. A podcast. Right, right. You know what I mean? And I just feel like, I feel like life has come at me so fast, I don't have time for a gimmick. That's right? a fact. I hear so you. So it's like, yo, I got to pay this mortgage or keep me. Now it's not rent anymore. But at the time, coming up, it's, yo, my rent got to be paid. And at mm-hmm. the time, my friends are going to play basketball, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Living with their parents. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's different when you were you taking care yeah, of like yourself. I, I used to be a Christian David House. And shit, and they and they, they parents come home from work. They be like, "Does he have a home?" Like they don't even try to hide it. They just be like, "This nigga's always here." You know what I'm saying? And it be like, "Yeah, I do, but when I live by myself now, I don't want to fucking go home." Yeah, you know what I'm saying? The street lights come on and shit like that. So it just be like, but now that they, I'm older, they're older. They be like, "Wow," um, like one of my friends' parents actually apologized to me for that shit. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And I was just like. Oh, you don't have to understand. You had a hard eight hours at work. Like, I know when I come eight hours at work, I had some fucking kids. They got company. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Right. You know what I'm saying? You so understand a little, understand little differently. It's like, now, I got to come talk to somebody else and cook for you. Right. You know what I mean? But back then, you you want, you don't want them to say that. You want right. them to say, yo, do you need something to eat? Right, or, right. You know what I mean? Would you like to stay here You're welcome night? to come every right. time. Right. You know what I mean? And then, you know, the parents that do say that back then, it was like, they ain't really mean that shit. Yeah, they you was being polite. Like, oh, you know I mean? <laughs> like, you're welcome to come anytime. Then you come and they're like, oh, we got to make an extra plate. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. Shit like that. So when you and then when you start feeling like you're a burden, it just makes you struggle. So it's like, all right, cool. I don't want to feel like a burden. I don't want to feel like I'm talking too much. So, and I don't want to fall on deaf ears. Mm-hmm. Why am I talking? Mm-hmm, I know mm-hmm. I have. To, I know that I have to change my situation. Right. So that means I have to get up and get a job, or I have to hustle hard, or whatever it is I have to do. But I have to be the one to do it. Right. 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 You know what I'm saying? So that I think that's also like a, a, a place where, and I be in my own head sometimes. What's, what's that shit called? Imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So that a little bit, a little bit of that too. So mixed with that. Well, I mean, I think it speaks volumes of what you've shared today. And it's like, I'm sure the things that you haven't even told us that you do, <laughs> that people don't know that you do. And even like getting this that award, like, it's obvious that you're a dope person and you do so many things. Or even like your mentee, like, coming last Sunday, that was last mm-hmm. Sunday, or two Sundays ago now, by the time this airs, and just being like, no, like, you're a dope person. I appreciate you. You've taught me so much. Like, kids don't lie. Yeah. And they don't have a reason to because 
who are they trying to impress these other random ass adults? You right, know, right. so like, even if the, the adults are like not saying it, like that these kids are looking up to you and they're showing up and they're like enjoying their time with you speaks volumes to the person that you are. Yeah, Nigel, he made me drop a tear that night because um, when we left, when I dropped him off back to his mom's, he was mm-hmm. just like, um, he sent me a text message and he was like, yo, you know, I know you're my mentor, but I look more at you like a, like an uncle, like a big brother or something. Like, mm-hmm. like he, he thanked me for bringing him mm-hmm. or whatever. I was like, shit. You know what I mean? Because now it's like, is it more pressure? Like, <laughs> I mean, do I, like, do I, how do I, I don't want to fuck up. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Now that people know, it's yeah, like, how know, do, yeah. Um, so with him, it's just like, I don't want to disappoint him any, any at all. I haven't yet, you know what I mean? But um, when somebody says it to you, it's like, I... Well, you've been doing good, so you gotta keep doing good. But that's why I like if I'm doing good, don't tell me I'm doing good. I'm gonna keep doing. <laughs> so good. don't you gas I mean? you. Yeah, don't 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 tell me nothing. Just let me continue doing what I'm doing. <laughs> got it, got you know it. What I'm saying, but um, yeah, I don't know. Do you have any final words? Any um, final things? You how will people? How can people find you? Where can they follow you on social um, media? You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at um, Rep the Alternative. Represent the Alternative on Facebook. Rep the Alternative on Instagram. Um. Final words, just um, my favorite um, uh, I said this in college, and I think I gotta coin it so people start, you know, promoting it. No uh-huh. for me, um, you know, one of the things I say is always um, you know, make sure you keep integrity in your work and in your in your words and in your in your, in your work in your words in your heart always, mm. um, because <clears throat> I feel like integrity it has a, like a major role in a lot of the things that I do, mm-hmm. um, mostly because of what I witnessed and what I saw, right. you know, coming up. So it's like, I don't ever want anybody to think that I'm doing this for clout, as one of the words these youngins say, um, or notoriety, anything like that. It's really just to see people do better and know better. Because I know that for a fact, if I knew the shit that I learned between 23 and 33, mm-hmm. I'd probably be a fucking millionaire. <laughs> I'm serious. That's a fact. You know, um, but I f- figured this shit out fuck up by fuck up. Right. And, right. you know, so... And now, and then some days I'm even hard on myself because it's because I figured it out yeah. like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And there's days but where But you I'm also like, didn't know what you didn't know. Right. And there was... The, Nobody to tell me. Exactly. You know what I mean? And even even when I expected my aunt to tell me, she probably was figuring it out herself. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, for, to see her doing well now and everything like that is it's amazing. Um, but... I guess I want somebody to tell me back then because I'd seen like some people I now who I know have either both their parents or one parent or something like that. Mm-hmm. They had a little bit of guidance. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Where I was just out here operating on survival and mm-hmm. and trial and error. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And trial and error is dangerous. It is. <laughs> Do you ever like look around and say like, but I've gotten this far. Like there's so much more. You know what's crazy? That you, it's crazy you said that because Aaron... You know, um, the black therapist, that's my dude. Um, I was talking to him and his wife, like, a week before his birthday. And him and Trudy said to me, like, yo, you are doing so well for yourself. When do you sit down mm-hmm. and enjoy it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't. I work 16 hours a day. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole nother conversation. Sunday through Thursday. And mm-hmm. on Fridays, I work eight hours. Um, I'm only day off is Saturday. Mm-hmm. And... A lot of times when I and when I do have a day of part of my self care is going out and partying. Yeah. Right. Like I enjoy that shit. Like I could be dead tired, freak tired, but I I go to the party. Like I I work hard. I fucking did it. I'm going to celebrate this shit. Uh-huh. I'll be home soon. Uh huh. You know. And um, <clears throat> they was like, yo, you need to sit down, 
and really practice your accomplishments and know and look mm-hmm. how far you came and mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I do that. He was like, no, you don't. <laughs> and I was like, all right. So he hit me with a moment. So those be the couple where you got your client there, you know your client lying, you call him out on it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Just like that. He hit me with one of those. And I was like, ah, all right, cool. Yeah. You're right. Maybe I don't. Um, but I have been very intentional within the last two weeks of doing so. So I come, sit down, turn to you. I feel like, I paid this fucking bill. I need to mm-hmm. enjoy this shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, I do do that. Yeah. And come home and, like, some days I might post on, thank you. Like, I'll post on Facebook, like, thank you, God, for everything, whatever the case may be. I have a weird relationship with God. That's why I like that pastor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because I be like, yo, you my nigga. <laughs> you like, you talking to God like that? <laughs> yeah, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he understands. Yeah, come yes. To Yes, you know so, I hear you. I sit down and I, um, and I do, and I and I mean, even, even day there's, there's times where I watch her sleep, and um, and I look at her and I just be like, yeah, I'm at peace. Mm-hmm. This is this is this is what I worked hard for. This is what I sacrificed and went through trials and tribulations for, and mm-hmm. I was here. So yeah. celebrate yourself. Celebrate myself. Yeah, I'm gonna do that. I go on vacation on Tuesday. I can't fucking wait. <sighs> back <laughs> <laughs> well, have a great vacation and thank you so much for being here is this your first podcast interview this is my first you podcast killed it interview. i think you did amazing but you know i'm not gonna gas you because you said that that doesn't help you so <laughs> i don't really know how to tell you like yeah, you did a great job with, but yeah, a few people. thank you thank you and keep doing what you're this doing is i feel like you asked me to do this a year ago it was a while ago. I feel like I might have had a coat on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I ain't going to lie. I dug, I've been ducking you, Aaron. Like that. I know. I'd be like, hey. Random yeah. text message. You're like, it's probably bitch. Nah, I just, I, I got to just get out of my own head. I think that's what it is. But like, you did great. Thank you. Thank you for that. being here. Well, maybe you'll be back. Yeah. It, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. See? <laughs> it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. Painful. A painless. Painless. Well, thank you, and thank you guys for listening, and take care. We don't say no.